Thank you for clicking and thank you for listening. I'm Doug and this is the Policing Matters Podcast. I'm Jim Dudley. Welcome back. So, uh, Jim, it's it's certainly something that's um, top of mind for police officers when particularly on a, on a foot patrol, beat patrol, out there interacting with the community. Um, you know, safety is obviously paramount and part of that safety involves um, making sure that a person you're about to talk with or do a field interview with um, is not armed. Uh, the, the, um, the, the seminal case in this, um, quote, stop and frisk um, tactic is uh, obviously Terry versus Ohio. It was, I think, in uh, early 60s, Detective um, Martin McFadden observed a couple of guys casing a joint. And, um, you know, of course, he was a detective. He was an experienced officer. He, he saw the signs that these guys might be uh, looking to do a, do, a, do a job, if you will. And uh, he approached the two guys, and because he had this experience, he thought, well, me, these guys might be armed. If it's going to be a, a stick-up, you know, then these guys might have guns. So he went to do a, kind of an interaction with them. He frisked them, their outer clothing. Um, the court held that that was not a violation of uh, their constitutional rights. Uh, it was an officer safety issue. Um, and, you know, fast forward to now, you know, to, to, to nowadays. In the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of um, opposition to uh, stop and frisk. And a lot of folks are saying that stop and frisk is, is racially imbalanced and uh, is focused uh, too much on African-American males. Um, in fact, Mayor de Blasio ran on a ticket in New York uh, that he was going to discontinue, in effect, um, the stop and frisk. And, and he really, in fact, has been successful. They really kind of reduced that number. Um, some, of the, some of the interesting stats that have come out of Boston recently on this, on this stuff is... Uh, uh, they're, they're beginning to now measure and post on their website um, the, the field interviews or field interrogations that they do. And, and just a couple of months ago, I think the most recent stats, I think it was for, for, for January of 2016, uh, might have been February, um, 58% of those who were stopped uh, and frisked were uh, African-American, 22% were white, 13% were Hispanic. The department uh, contends that that is um, coming more into a racial balance, obviously. Um, the thing of it is, though, that you know when you're when you're going to approach a subject or a person on the street, it's an officer safety issue. If you have prior contact with that person and they were armed at that time, pretty good idea to go and frisk frisk them and make sure they're not armed this time you talk with them. If they're a known frequent flyer or known gang member, where you know people who tend to be armed, you want to go and make sure that before you go talking to them, you know that you're going to remain safe for that contact, right? Sure, and I think in in the case. And the Supreme Court decision that, that validated Officer McFadden's or Detective McFadden's stop, he articulated the reasons why. And it was suspicious activity, three guys in an alley, they walk over, they look into a window of a shop, uh, each of them take turns, it's a hot day, they're wearing a coat, I believe, they're um, feeling around their, their uh, waistband areas, and when he does do the search, of course, he comes up with guns. So. Uh, all of that was articulated, and that's the reason why the Supreme Court held up the, his search. And so today, that, this was a 1968 ruling, I believe, and today it still yeah. holds. So number one, I think NYPD um, showed a dramatic drop in violent crimes, uh, homicides from 1990 to uh, 2012. I think the, the numbers dropped by thousands yes, uh, they did. in the five boroughs of New York. I think they went from close to 3,000 to uh, well under 1,000 by the time uh, uh, Mayor de Blasio came in and said he was going to stop 
the stop and frisk tactics. I think it was a poor choice of words to call it stop and frisk. I mean, it it, it brings to mind uh, this sort of arbitrary stop and frisk uh, program, and, and that was not what they were doing. Um, any law enforcement officer in, in the nation can still, with the articulation and the reasonable cause to believe that they're they're talking to somebody who may be armed, uh, can go ahead and do the the search for weapons. Um, there there are other there are other tools to use. Um, we've seen them used well across the nation. Uh, gang injunctions, uh, gang validations. Uh, Boston, you mentioned Boston, and Operation Ceasefire is you know the gold standard of evidence-based policing and a mm-hmm. program that looked at everything from uh, a child's background, their nutritional uh, needs, their home life, um, witnessing violence, addiction, alcohol, all of that. And um, it brought the police together with public health, with academians, with um, parole, probation, sheriff, district attorney, public defender, judges, Everybody came to the table on that, and that's why it worked so well in Boston. So uh, stop and frisk as NYPD knew it may be over and done with, with Mayor de Blasio and and Commissioner Bratton coming in and and putting an end to it. But the Terry versus Ohio um, searches um, with articulation is is certainly uh, reasonable today. How do you think that you know you know you and I you know we tend to agree on almost everything except Apple it seems um, you know how, how do we who agree on this um, help to um, articulate this position of reasonable um, you know and, and reasonable suspicion and again based on past experience you know Detective McFadden had years and years and years of experience and he just looked at the guys he went that's Hinky I'm gonna go find out. And they look right. like they're, they have guns. I mean, that's just obvious, right? Right. So how do you articulate? It, it, that, was, that was the opposite of an arbitrary stop. You know, he was doing a proactive crime prevention in his neighborhood of, of his patrol. And, you know, how do we articulate that to the, to the general public who's up in arms about stop and frisk? You know, because we, like you just said, Boston's done a fine job of it. And obviously they're tolerant of it. They, they're making some reforms there, I would think, um, based upon some of the feedback they've gotten. That's, that's the article I read anyway. But, you know, how is it, you know, we can continue the, 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 the Terry stop. Maybe we have to get away from just the terminology of stop and frisk. Definitely. Get a new publicist, number one. <laughs> no, but... Uh, Really, it's it, we're our own worst enemy in law enforcement when we do things because we know that's the way they, you know, quote, always have been done, and we don't let the public know. So I think I've said it probably 15, 30 times on this uh, podcast that we need to demystify what we do to the general public. Mm-hmm. And we're not Batman anymore. We're not keeping it a secret. We're not grabbing and snatching people off the street. I mean, we really should... Uh, reach out more to the community, explain how we do things and why. And um, still, I'm sure some people won't be satisfied. Well, that. naturally, of course. Yeah. But but still, uh, the tactics that we use, um, we've got to be, uh, we've got to assume that we're on a video camera somewhere, mm-hmm. somebody's got one, and uh, that it'll hold up in court. So nobody's... Uh, 
arbitrarily stopping people with the hopes that they're going to get a great arrest and it's going to go to prosecution because chances are if you cannot articulate that initial stop it's not going to go very far right exactly well maybe one of the other things is that you know when you're filling out the field interview card or whatever else maybe there needs to be more data on it you know like maybe there might there might need to be some sort of additional collection of this is what my suspicion was when i went there yeah, is that a reasonable thing to ask? I, I understand what you're saying, but I think once you get into a boilerplate or a template, then you start following into, you fall into the trap of all your reports look the same, mm. Officer Wiley. Right. Everybody was, you know, head on a swivel, wearing a coat on a dark day, <laughs> reaching into their pockets, reaching in their waistband. So uh, I've seen it, defense attorneys oftentimes bring up um, several reports by you and they mm -hmm. all read the same. So there's a hazard in using a template or, or some sort of boilerplate. Right. Um, well, in, in, in some, you know, obviously there are departments that are, are pulling back completely on this. Obviously, New York is, is really pulled back. Um, what do you f see in the future? Where is this going? Where are we going to wind up if, for example, New York um, retains Mayor de Blasio for the next eight whatever years he's still eligible for holding office and that policy remains in place. And, you know, do you feel that that might affect crime rates, which have substantially gone down in the years prior to de Blasio getting there? Yeah, you know, will absolutely. we see the, 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 the you know, a, a negative effect of this? Uh, of course. I, I, you know what? We've talked about the Ferguson effect. We've talked about the fact that some officers may not be so keen on jumping out of their car and taking somebody on. And so I see policing going to the the 24-7 uh, fire department standards of um, going back to the station house and going out when you're called. And there is an extreme hazard in that. Um, if if uh, the criminal element out there figures that they are not going to be stopped, then you're going to see more people walking around with burglar tools, with uh, empty bags, with um, tools to get into places, with uh, weapons to rob people with. Yeah. So I think there's a real hazard in in pulling back from proactive policing. Um, but I think there's still a lot of working cops out there who know that all they have to do is be able to articulate the stop. So I think with the advent of cameras, officers are going to say, it's going to be on, on camera, so I'm going to have to explain what I'm seeing and narrate that for what the viewer's seeing. Mm -hmm. and, and I think... Um, Oftentimes, we, we use words like, um, I had a gut feeling, or my spider sense was tingling, or... Right. And obviously, that language is not really going to be all no, that helpful no to way. you. You know, it's hilarious to say, saw drunk, arrested, same. That's a great line from J.D. Buck Savage, but that, that cut won't hold water anymore. Right. But we see it, but we don't articulate it. We see that it's freezing cold outside, but this guy's sweating, we see that you know there's bright sunshine, but he's got no sunglasses and his eyes are wide open. Right. Um, well, that's kind of what I was driving at with with you know the collection of more data on the card. That's kind of what I was you know or whatever it is your report, however whatever reporting mechanism you you, you have yeah, to have yeah. is to have is to be that a little bit more granular and specific about you know this is what I saw as opposed to you know the guy looked hinky. Sure. No, I think I think we could do more video training where we show a a tape to um, the trainees and ask them, what did they see? And I think in, in entr entrance exams, you see a variation of that where 
We don't expect people to be police officers when they take the test, but we expect them to be observant and identify dangers. Um, did you notice that the guy had a beer bottle in his hand while you talked to him mm -hmm. for 10 minutes? And do you think the beer bottle could be a weapon? Yes. So, um, again, we're, we're training people. We're teaching them to articulate what they see. Uh, they see it. They know something's wrong, but they've got to be able to identify it as well. Yeah. Well, in wrapping up, I will encourage everyone uh, who's listening in to uh, check out Dan Marcoux's excellent piece on um, the Cleveland detective Martin McFadden. It's part of our police history series. Um, and if you click on uh, the, the, the police history tag in that article, you'll see a number of articles that have historical relevance uh, w with regard to a whole variety of things, women in policing, SWAT, uh, and a whole host of uh, really excellent pieces. But do, do check out the Stop and Frisk Terry versus Ohio Officer McFadden, or Detective McFadden uh, piece. Yeah, and while you're at it, check out Map versus Ohio. Ohio really gave us some really good Supreme Court cases. Outstanding. We'll be back in just a minute.